It is good to be with you all this morning. We are going to um, be discussing corporate worship this morning. There are many reasons why someone may come to a church service. Perhaps it's because someone they are interested in goes there. Perhaps they're expected to be there. Perhaps it's just why they've what they've always done. There are many reasons, some better than others. But why does the church gather? I'm not talking about on a specific day, but just in general. Why does the church gather and what are we to do during this time? Why is it that we have singing and scripture reading and preaching and the time of invitation and what what is the purpose of the church gathering on Sunday mornings? I kind of think that the church is most the church during the week when we're able to um, live with one another, call each other, do things together, and praying for one another. And yet, if you were to take away Sunday mornings, then something would be lost. Something extremely important would be lost. And Sunday morning is really the... Um, first step into a church. If you want to find out what a church is about, you come to a Sunday morning worship service. So the question, why do we gather on Sunday mornings, might have several answers. But all those answers should be under this statement. We gather on Sunday mornings to unify under the power of God's word for the purpose of worshiping Jesus. The reason we gather together is to worship Christ. And the way we do that needs to align with the word of God. I'll explain more about that, what, what that means in just a minute. It is the power of the Holy Spirit through God's word that breathes life into his people. It is the power of the Holy Spirit through the word of God that gives people hope and joy, gives people comfort, courage, knowledge, and love. Now, if that's true, then when God's church gathers for corporate worship, God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit must be the central focus of our gathering. So I have four points this morning for us. Preach the Bible. Read the Bible. Pray the Bible. And sing the Bible. Because if we receive salvation through the power of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit using God's word to teach us and to minister to our hearts, then when we gather, God's word must be central. And it must be done in such a way that the Holy Spirit is freed and welcomed to move amongst us and do his work within us. So, the first thing is that the Bible must be preached. 
In Sunday school, we've talked a little bit about this passage this morning. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we read about the first generation church. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That is teaching of the word. This wasn't just opinions that these men had. They'd been sanctioned by God to establish his church. They were missionaries. They were pastors. They founded churches across the ancient Roman world. And the the church gathered together and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And it's no wonder because of the importance of preaching and teaching. Listen to these couple verses. In Romans, Paul says, How will people call upon him and who they've not believed? And how will they believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? If Jesus is the name above all names, the name by which every person, the only name through which we can receive salvation. How are people supposed to believe upon him if they've never heard? How are they supposed to hear if no one's ever told them? It begins with preaching. Preaching is foundational for God's church. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. No one is saved apart from believing the gospel of Jesus. So it is vital that the gospel of Jesus, the message of Christ, the good news about Jesus is preached. And Paul also says, that the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So it's not just the gospel in itself, the, the, the truths that make up the gospel of Jesus, the good news about Christ. It's also all of the scripture. God has given us the Bible to make us wise for salvation in Christ. So when we know it, when we learn it, When it's taught to us and we hear it and receive it and believe it, it's preparing us for Christ. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All scripture. Some passages of of scripture may seem more profitable than others, and it's true, they are. But all of it is beneficial. All of it is profitable. To train us. To live righteous lives. How are we to relate to one another? How are we to pray for one another? How are we to speak to one another? How are we to care for one another? How are we to relate with our neighbor who's a non-Christian? How are we to live in a 
country that is governed by higher authorities? How are we to think about the world that we live in, where it, come, where it comes from, how it's structured? All of Scripture is breathed out by God to teach us, to reprove us, to correct us, and to train us. But Paul says to Timothy, a very simple instruction, preach the word. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Means to declare, to teach it, to explain it, to interpret it, and to apply it. You're supposed to preach the word. And he's referring to God's word, the Bible. I'm not to preach to declare to you, explain to you, interpret for you, and apply to you what the president says, what some philosopher thought 100, 200, 1,000 years ago. The focus of preaching is to be God's word. And insofar as a preacher diverts from that, He's doing his church a disservice. Anytime he gets off into human, human thinking, anytime he gets off to some new age idea that is devoid of God's word, he is failing and the church suffers as a result. Why? Because as I've already established, the Holy Spirit of God uses the word of God to minister to the people of God. So if you cut out the word, you're cutting out the very tool that the Holy Spirit uses to affect people's lives for change. So not only do we gather to hear the word preached, we gather to read the Bible. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, again, Paul instructs Timothy. He says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. When God's people gather together, there should be a lot of Scripture read, taught, sung. Again, because God's word is the foundation upon which the church is built. It is the foundation upon which the Holy Spirit uses to affect people's lives, to resurrect people's souls, to breathe life into the dying, to heal the wounded. It's interesting what the Bible says about actually reading the Bible. There's a passage in Luke, chapter 11, verse 27. Jesus is teaching. And as he's teaching, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. The woman is crying out. Jesus' teaching is so moving, is so impactful, that this woman says, Blessed is your mother because she's your mother. She's your mother. 
And Jesus responds to this woman. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Here was a lady who was trying to bless the mother Mary. And Jesus said, that's not true blessedness. Being my mother is not true blessedness. True blessedness is anybody who hears the word of God and keeps it. That is true blessedness. That is where true happiness comes from. You think brother, Mother Mary is blessed? She is. But she's not near as blessed as anybody and everybody who hears the word of God and keeps it. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Is it just a... You hear a passage read and it goes in one ear and out the other and you forget about it? That's not how the people understood listening. This is a culture in which someone would be speaking and you didn't have something to read along. So when people talked, you actually gave them a lot more attention. Because there was nothing to go back to. They didn't have PowerPoints. Books were expensive, and most people did not know how to read very well. So when he says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it, it's people who are paying attention. People who are paying attention with a heart to obey. It's interesting how the Bible talks about hearing God's word and the place that it has amongst the living. Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We think we need food to live, and we do. But Jesus says, if you are to really live, you need every word that comes from God's mouth. That is where your soul gets nourishment. Paul says, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Here's the way it works. The Holy Spirit moved men to write the words of God down and has kept the Bible for us for centuries. And when the word of God is spoken, for those who have ears to hear, which is also a work the Holy Spirit does in some way, he uses the word of God to bring about faith. So it could be, though I, I doubt, that this, this sermon may not sit well with you. It could be that sermons that I preach don't hit you, don't resonate with you. You don't connect with them. It's my hope, though, that with enough scripture, that something will that the word of God will be read to you and your ears will hear it and the Holy Spirit will work in your heart and produce faith 
that you'll connect on to something and carry with you. Because through the word of God, the Holy Spirit ignites faith. The question is for you, do you have ears to hear? Are you willing to be affected by the word of God when it's preached and when it's spoken? When we added Bible reading to the service, I was excited and I encouraged it. I said, let's keep doing that. Because when God's people meet, God's word has to be at the center of our focus. It has to be at the center of our purpose. Because man does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If we come here to be nourished, to be filled, then we need to eat. Let's have as much scripture as we can. So not only do we gather to preach the word, to read the word, we also gather to pray the word. Now, corporate prayer finds both its charge and its content in God's word. I'll explain what I mean. Going back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So when God's people were meeting, not only did they listen to the apostles preach, but they also devoted themselves to prayer. So we are to pray. In 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, I desire then that in every place men should pray. James says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We are to pray for one another. Do you want healing? Do you want comfort? Do you want to grow? Let's pray for one another. What is to be the content of our prayers? I love Paul's prayer and his epistles. Just listen to some of these. Romans chapter 15. Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Who here wants hope? Who here wants peace? Who here wants to be filled by the God of hope with all joy? Why don't we pray that for one another? When there are prayer requests shared, I know a secret. The secret is that some of you ladies are meeting on Thursday afternoons to pray, and you pray then, but you're not going to pray now. There's not a difference. Lift up your voice and pray. We should be anxious to share our requests with one another, because by doing so, you're asking to receive prayer. 
And we should be anxious to pray for one another. Because God moves through our prayers. I should not have to wait for someone to volunteer to pray. I should have to pick. Because everybody's hands are raised. I, I want to pray for them. Let me pray for them. That is the idea that the New Testament gives of the church praying. Colossians chapter 1. And so from the day we heard, this is Paul talking about the faith of the Colossians, the church in the city of Colossae. From the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you. We've not ceased to pray for you. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will with an all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Again, who needs strength? Who wants to grow in the knowledge of God? Who wants to grow in wisdom? Who wants to grow in understanding? Why don't we pray these things for each other? There are plenty of places in Scripture that say, yes, pray for each other when you're sick. Yes, lift up one another when you're hurting. But it seems like all of our praying revolves around physical needs. And very rare do we hear someone just say, I'm depressed. I need joy. I need faith. I need comfort. I need hope in this situation. We're all broken people. We all struggle. We don't come in here and sit on these pews because we have it all together. We come and sit on these pews because we need God to work in us. Not only do we pray for each other and pray for each other's spiritual well-being, that we would grow in our knowledge, that we would grow in patience, that we would grow in joy and hope. But we're also commanded to pray for our authority figures. First of all, this is Paul again talking to Timothy. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Praying for kings and all who are in high positions, we should be praying regularly for those in office. And really, you should be praying for every person who has any degree of authority over you. Because that allows you to live the kind of life God has called you to. We pray for the president, the vice president. We pray for 
all of the how do I word that? All of the individuals who are not elected but have power in the government. But you should also pray children for your teachers, for your parents. You should pray for your boss. Husbands and wives, you should be praying for each other. Anybody who has influence and authority in your life, pray for them. That they will exercise that authority in such a way that gives you the freedom to live your life before God as he has called you to according to your conscience. Because God has called us to lead peaceful and quiet lives. We should pray that we live in a country where we don't have to speak up because the country is being run in a godly way. And he ends that with this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. So not only are we to pray or pray the Bible, hear the Bible, and preach the Bible, we're also to sing the Bible. Just as with prayer, Scripture gives us the command to sing and also the content about which we are to sing. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. First off, singing is not just supposed to be words. It's supposed to come from our heart. Making melody to the Lord with your heart. Sometimes that is difficult. Sometimes it's hard to sing a song about rejoicing when you're in sorrow. But the beautiful thing about music is that it has a way of changing your attitude. At least it does for me. But we are commanded to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Meaning, when you sing, you're not just singing to the Lord. You're actually singing for the people around you to hear it, to hear that truth, to be encouraged by that truth. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all his people. We have the hymn book of the Old Testament. The Psalms are filled with the attitude that is supposed to come forth from our singing. It's filled with the content that's supposed to be there. I mean, for just a minute, forget the instruments that are being used and just focus on the words that are being said. Are the words that are being spoken true? Are they uplifting? Are they encouraging? Are they thought-provoking? And all those things, are they bringing you closer to God? If not, we're doing it wrong. 
Most people don't sing, don't worship God through singing incorrectly because of the style of the music, but because of their hearts and because of the content of the songs. If you can take out Jesus from a song, just the name Jesus, and you could fill it with the name of your spouse, it's probably not a song that needs to be sung in church. The songs that we sing are songs that praise God, and you cannot put anybody in that position. It would just seem, that's weird. I can't sing about my spouse in this way. Because the character of God overflows from the song. The things that he's done are sung about to praise him. So I return to the question that I began with. Why do we gather for corporate worship? We do it to draw closer to God. We don't do it just because we're expected to. We do it because we have a need. We have a need for God. And the church is a highway to him. We do it to experience his truth. To be washed, cleansed, renewed by his word. And as we gather together to hear God's word preached, may God increase our spiritual understanding and knowledge of him. As we hear God's word spoken, may we increase in faith. As we pray God's word, may he grant us comfort, renewal, strength, courage, hope, And as we sing God's word, may he bind us up in fellowship and love as our hearts rejoice to hear the truth of his word put to music. And may we leave each other's presence eager to join together again to make much of Christ and draw life from his presence. Let's pray. Dear Father, that is my prayer. Lord, that each week as we gather, Lord, we receive encouragement from your word and from each other. And through the power of the Holy Spirit moving and working within us and through us, that we experience your presence. Lord, that each Sunday we leave here longing to come back, to be together with God's people again, to sing with them, to pray with them, to hear God's word with them. Father, that through those actions and endeavors, that all the while our eyes are fixed on you and it is a way for us to draw closer to you, that we would grow as your people together. Lord, that is my prayer. And I ask that you would do it for your glory, for the good of your church, and in Jesus' name, amen. I ask that you would...